I'm Andrew Haynes, and this is the Fair Game Podcast, the place where we talk about all things golf. For this episode, we're sitting down with Dustin, Justin, and Joe, the gents behind Palm Golf Co. They are originally three East Coasters who packed their bags and surfboards and headed west in search of sunnier shores. They've built their brand brick by brick and turned a crazy idea over drinks and rounds of golf into a legitimate business. We had to get them on the pod to learn more about what they've been up to and talk about all kinds of stuff. Let's get started. How was that? Give me a, give me a grade. You have a podcast voice. <laughs> yeah, it's so a great podcast voice. Yeah. On a scale of one to ten, be honest now. Like, what, like, what would you give that? I'm in a nine eight and only increasing <laughs> point two because I never had a surfboard before I got to California. So <laughs> I think it's up there too. I think it's. Uh, I like how you, you do have a podcast voice. It works well, uh, and you're straight to the point. I like it. There we go. Yeah, keep it short and simple. And Joe does not surf. So Joe surfs. I mean, he paddles out there. Joe he surfs. Gets, he gets his body I, out I there. Float. I think yeah. saying he doesn't surf would be a lie. He floats, but he's out there. <laughs> that's funny. Like well, my golf game. I'll try my hardest. Look, that's all we can do is try. I hear you. Anyways, thanks for being on the podcast, guys. This is awesome. I know we met. Um, I met two of you guys. I met Justin and Dustin at LACC, which is amazing. I mean, the fact that I was even in that place because i've been to la my last job um i used to go out to la probably like once or twice a month and you know you drive around wilshire wherever and like you have no idea that course is there which is wild and then to be inside there you're like oh shit this is amazing yeah that is insane honestly just like it's all cityscape and then just right in the middle of everything is a beautiful golf course so it is pretty wild to to be out there for sure yeah, I mean, that course was really awesome. And it kind of threw me off when we pulled up the pool into the parking lot and we pulled onto the fairway of their, I think it was the south course. We're like, we are pulling on the fairway <laughs> of their course right now. Is this really happening? It's wild. Yeah. And also, um, wait, have has anyone ever played that course? I don't know anyone that's played that course. No. That's like the, the mythical unicorn, like just getting on that thing. Yeah, we... we uh. We were pretty fortunate enough to have the chance to play the Riv uh, probably six months ago, right after the Genesis Open. It was like three days after it, and it was one of the uh, coolest experiences we've ever ha- had the opportunity to you know, do. But LACC will definitely be one that we're going to try and get on one of these days. If you had to rank the LA courses, I don't know, because at least for me, there's Riviera, Wilshire, but like, give me the top three to five order. I mean, look, we are the Muni kids. We get to play. I mean, we've gotten the opportunity to play like a lot of great courses in Southern California for sure. Sure. But typically you're going to find us at, you know, Costa Mesa Country Club, which is technically a public golf course. But if I had to rank them, like obviously I'm ranking uh, the Rib up there as my one of my absolute favorite golf courses I've ever played. Um, but, you know, Tory's great. Pelican's great. There's a, there's a bunch of great golf courses. I mean, we absolutely love Goat Hill. Like, that's a great course. Yeah, yeah. First time yeah, ever. We're, we're due for some L.A. golf. To be honest, we I don't know that we've really gone up to a ton of those courses outside of the ones that, uh, you know, like like Riv. Um, but we haven't really had the, the, the opportunity to play some of those other ones up there. So I think we need to we need to get up there soon. Sure. Uh... For the question specifically, the uh, if I had to like rank out of the ones, those three that you named, or throw in new ones if you want. But. Yeah, LACC seems like 
where it not seems like it it looked like one of the coolest like landscapes for a course I've ever seen personally um was yeah. tough to walk that place I could see why it's been it's kind of been few and far between that they do pro tournaments there ribs like much more open and easier to walk um but both those courses are just like absolutely gorgeous I, I mean the grass is always green on the other side so I don't know i'm ranking lacc above for sure it is fascinating too because i i am also not a member anywhere i play muni golf out here in brooklyn and queens and it's one of the things where like like my home course is this place called marine park that way down in brooklyn and it's a great track it's link style um i love it but it's for me sometimes i think obviously there are some really beautiful golf courses but if you take away the amount take away the budget right like, is it a dope golf curve? I don't know. Maybe. Like, if LACC was burnt out, like, would we be saying it's epic? Probably. I mean, the design is still cool. It's just one of the things that I think about sometimes where it's it's a bummer when interesting golf courses that just don't have massive budgets don't get that love just because, like, the grass is not, like, pure, but it's, like, the design is still there. But, you know, I guess it's with all those things that just kind of part of the equation. So, anyways. Um, I forgot to also do some proper introduction. So first thing we do, we kind of like pretend that we're playing a round of golf and, you know, we're just three bros that just met. Um, the first thing I, I always end up asking people is how did you start playing? Um, how did you get into the game? And then obviously connected to that, I want to talk about, you know, just the fun story behind you guys starting Palm. Cause I think you guys have known each other for a while, right? Before the brand started. Yeah. Somewhat. <laughs> Literally right, right before. Yeah, Joe was Joe was sort of like the the add-on uh right before it. <laughs> Dustin and I went to, to school together. We went to school in Pennsylvania together. So we we were pretty friendly. Um well, it sounds like sexual. <laughs> you can hit the edit button on that. <laughs> yeah. So it's kind of you know, it's kind of an interesting story. Like, you know, Justin and I both went to college together. We we knew of each other. Uh Plenty of parties were held at his house. Um, but when we moved out here, um, my wife had a new like a new employee started at our company. Her name is Veronica. So my wife was like, you know, come out, come meet Joe. He's going to move to California and like, you know, just get to know him. We're like, hey, Joe, do you golf? He's like, yes. We're like, OK, cool. You're going to come play golf with us next week. Sound good? Great. And then that's kind of how the friendship really began with Joe. And we were just playing at a standing weekly tea time and we were golfing all the time, having this, having a grand old time, obviously. And uh, it really went to Justin saying, I want to do this for the rest of my life. And we were like, cool, but we all are terrible golfers, so we can't teach anybody how to play golf. So like, what should we do? And naturally, as we were kind of like going through and, and talking about all the things and what we thought was neglected in golf, that's how we kind of arrived at that golf glove. Because Titleist cares more about selling that driver, that Scotty Cameron or the Vokey wedges more than they care about selling that golf glove. So we kind of just looked at it and we said, this is kind of really plain. Your, your offering is either like a colored golf glove or a plain white golf glove. There was no like kind of influence into it. So we wanted to just kind of, you know, bring our own southern california you know the lifestyle that we were living and the culture that we were immersed in and kind of bring that into a golf club and make it a little unique and different dope now question uh who which one of you guys is kind of like the creative or d design perspective of the brand is it all of you is it one of you you know what i mean i probably take the lead on on most of our creative so i i kind of handle all like digital marketing and like creative design uh but 
I mean, with that being said, like I, we're obviously like such a small team here. So we, we all definitely wear a lot of hats. Uh, Dustin is definitely like my right hand when it comes to like the products that we're making. I mean, obviously Dustin manages all of our production and stuff. So, um, so we, we, we tend to spearhead a lot of those types of projects today. Um, but I would say that I probably take the lead on most of our creative efforts here. So wait, so Dustin, how did you get into golf just as, as a golfer? Like when did you pick up the game? I mean, I played sports my whole life, but you know, like, you know, once you hit a certain age, you kind of say, you know, you can't play football anymore, hardball. So basically all my friends were playing golf when we weren't able to go surf in the afternoon. So you know, Justin was golfing and our friends, Jake and Matt and Joe. So naturally, I kind of just started picking up the game uh, in the afternoon just to kind of hang out with my friends. So nice. There you go. And then what about you, Justin? And then Joe, too? Like, when did you guys start playing golf? Yeah, I played um, when I was a kid. I was in like, like summer junior leagues. And uh, yeah, I was back in Jersey. And like, they were just like the most fun times of my life and everything. And then I kind of, you know, I was just like involved in so many sports growing up. Um, and so like golf was never like my main thing. So I kind of like lost touch with it a little bit more in like my later sort of like high school and, and, uh, years. And then, you know, kind of started golfing again a ton. Like, um, you know, I had been kind of going here and there, um, in the beginning years out in California, but once, you know, all of us started to get together, I mean, we just like caught the bug and we were just always out there together. Nice. Joe, your turn pretty similar i mean when i was on the east coast um i would i think i could name like i i maybe remember playing five rounds of golf um it was never really like something that i was super into i came from a played basketball and then i played volleyball in college and then i remember first round of golf i played was was with a buddy um who i met through basketball and i was just awful at it i was like i don't know if this is for me and then it was honestly when i moved to california that it was like it really became my like escape um and that's when i like really got into it so i'd say it's been like seven eight really good years of playing now um where i've really really been into it dope i was gonna say it's funny that like normally at least from my east coast perspective because i'm an east coast kid i was born in brooklyn grew up in virginia went to school in georgia so just up and down the east coast but like there's something at least for me about uh you guys might laugh when you hear this but like as an East Coaster and specifically as a New Yorker, and I would consider, you know, the, you know, the tri-state area, like, you know, New York, New Jersey, like we're all homies, right? It takes, it is a very big leap to go to the West Coast. And don't get me wrong, I love California. And like, there are pros and cons, the weather, you get to play more golf, but like the people, the vibe is very different. You know, sometimes I think that vibe for warmer weather when you go down to Florida is like, okay, like I can fuck with you guys. Like you can, you see some Brooklyners, whatever in Miami, but like, California is California. So how hard was it for you guys to acclimate to California or just being around like surf culture, especially you, Dustin, like, was that vibe already part of just your overall ethos? And it was a very easy transition. Does that make sense what I'm asking? Yeah, I mean, I grew up in a tiny, small town called Columbus, New Jersey. I mean, it was literally a farming town. So I was like the only one of the only kids or a few kids that would skateboard all the time and, you know, play organized sports. So for me, it was like when I moved here, I was moving to like that culture that I, I wanted to be immersed in, but wasn't growing up in such a small you know town. But like I kind of get what you understand. Like, I think when you meet people from the East Coast, 
we have that Northeast mentality. Like it's just a different, you know, I feel like it's a different language, a different vibe that you have when you meet someone You're like, oh, you're from New York. Nice. You're from New Jersey. It's like very, very relatable where I think like when you come to California, you know, we have friends that came here from, you know, Colorado, Florida, New Jersey, New York. It's all over. It's this big, giant melting pot. So I think that like from that, you kind of meet a lot of people that are more transplants than you meet people that are born and raised here. At least that has been my experience over the years. For sure. And then also Justin has a giant banana palm behind him, which I'm very jealous of right now. Where are you, by the way? Are you at home? Is that your backyard? You're muted. Yeah, I live uh, I live in kind of like a tiny house, so there's not much space here. So I figured it might just be fitting to pop out in my backyard here. But then there's like some fucking guy like stalling shit in the background. So I'm like going in and out of mute. So I'm not like annoying. What What is he doing? Is he like planting a tree? What's the man doing? Should we bring him on the podcast? Dude, he's, uh, <laughs> yeah, I don't know what he's doing over there. He's making a, a ruckus. Um, but, uh, yeah, no, I mean, so I've been out here for, I think it's been like 12 years now. And I would say, like, there's definitely parts about, you know, like, like Jersey and stuff that, that I miss a lot, you know, that I, I definitely don't get out here in California. But overall, I mean, just like the whole, like, I really like very much enjoy what our lifestyle is like out here. I mean, I think we take advantage of like all the, the good weather and we try to just be outside as much as we can. So, I mean, to be honest, it wasn't really like that hard of a, a transfer, um, you know, over here. And I think Dustin said too, like we've, we were fortunate to like meet so many people around uh, the country, but like, to be honest, like our crew is kind of like our, the majority of our crew is all like East coast people. So we just sort of like gravitate to that type of person. And uh, I think we're really lucky that we have such like a, an awesome network of, of friends out here that, may, that probably made the, the transfer a little bit easier too. Um, I think none of us were really ever in a situation where we were, we were here on our own. Um, you know, from the, from the beginning, it was like there was a network of people that we were able to kind of get introduced to. So it kind of just like made that process a little easier in my opinion. For sure. Now, do you miss the fall golf? You don't get the leaves. Do you miss that part at least? <laughs> Dude, I, I, you know, I was just back in Jersey, um, like, like two weeks ago and I was able to get two rounds in and they were just Muni courses. But I mean, like one in particular was just like classic Jersey fall golf. I mean, just like trees lining down the fairway. And, uh, like I miss that kind of, I do miss that a lot, honestly. But uh, it's harder for me now. I'm like used to like the short grass and, you know, it's dry air and stuff like that. So I kind of like stuck pretty bad when I get back in those uh, conditions. I like have a tough time getting my club head through like the thick grass <laughs> and shit like that. So that is funny. I mean, we do have some really nice golf courses here, but as you know, the season is very short. So it is what it is. I was also curious, um, like obviously the the Ryder Cup was this weekend and that was a absolute just, I don't want to call it a shit show. I mean, it was for the US, but it was just crazy. But I'm curious about the weather climate in like Europe because it's like, it's not really autumn, but it does get colder. So I'd be curious to see, it's kind of like, are you experiencing fall golf conditions minus the giant oak trees? I thought that was, you know, something that was interesting about playing over there. But anyways, did you guys watch the Ryder Cup at all? Yeah, I mean, I watched the slaughter. <laughs> and also, by the way, you guys probably, time zone wise, 
Wait, so you basically, it was like super late night or not that it was like kind of early in the morning because you had a three hour head start. You should talk night. to Joe. He didn't sleep for yeah. 72 hours just running <laughs> through this thing. So night, night one, it was like they were teeing off at 1030 hour time. So, oh, it's not that bad. It wasn't it, that that one was the easiest one. So I, I think I took it to about like two thirty, three o'clock before I fell asleep on the couch. And then um, like the other days, so it was like if you weren't up, um, I definitely didn't catch the start every day, but you could wake up like right around 3 a.m. if you wanted to be seeing like the first couple groups go off. Oh, my God. You went on a you went on a bender, dude. How many days did you make it? Uh, I, I got up every I got up every day. Um, true, actually, that's not too, truthfully. Sunday, I woke up later because I felt like it was all over. And then sure enough, it was. So I'm glad I got the couple extra hours of sleep. For sure. It's fascinating. Yeah. I mean, the time zone is is tricky. Like, I'm about to go to Japan um, next week. Um, Adam's playing um, in the Japan Open in, in Osaka and then like Zozo the week after. And I forget the time zone difference, but it's like 11 hours or something. Or maybe it's more than that. Maybe it's 13. But basically, it's on the other side of the fucking globe which is cool, but then also as an American golf fan, it's fucking impossible to watch anything because you don't want to tape it or, you know, pre-record it because you're, you're behind. Like, I'm also not one of those people where I'm going to, like, record something and watch it because then you can't go on Instagram because everyone's blowing up their phone and, and posting stuff. Um, do you think there should be a limitation? And maybe this is a super selfish American mentality. Maybe any of you guys can answer on this. Should there be a limitation? It's almost like when the NFL has like a, you know, an ex an exhibition game in London. They do like two of them because they're like, all right, that's like chill, like that's all you get. But I can understand from the global perspective, like different time zones allow different people to watch golf. But when you think about the popularity of it, you know, in the states versus other countries, obviously there are golf fans everywhere. But you know, there are probably more here. I think. Um, do you think they could have done a better job with times or just kind of like is what it is? I don't know. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I don't know. I kind of just like cater to or like I'm either just like, fuck it, I'm not watching this week or. Uh, right. Oh, no, man. Like, yeah, like those ones that are in the middle of the night, I kind of just like, damn, whatever. It, I'll, I'll catch it in the morning, like when I wake up. But uh, I don't know. I mean, that seems that does seem a little selfish to ask them to, like, put it in our time zone just because it's easier for us so i don't know if i'm the one to advocate for it but um it definitely yeah. would be nicer if we if we were able to watch it at like a normal time those the Ryder cup and the president's cup those are the two where it's just like now nah, you gotta you gotta like bend to the will of like the, the time difference and just accept that that's what it is because they alternate they alternate the, the you know where they play it to um so the next one will obviously be uh here in the states which would be sick it's actually going to be in uh Beth page next right yeah correct down the street that would be a good viewing one for us but um yeah i feel like that's that's part of like the the allure of what the Ryder cup is 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 the fact that it's not like your home turf and i don't think the cup winner has won on the other person's turf so that's like part of the what makes like the charm of the Ryder cup man it's like the, the defending your home turf that kind of thing for sure I think what's cool about, you know, sports being over the world, all over the world is just like how connected we can be. Like, I mean, I look at it even from like the Formula One perspective, but like when you bring the American culture into it and, you know, a lot of Americans start to look at Formula One and you see what that kind of has done, you know, for 
for racing and you think about that for golf in the same perspective full swing is doing it kind of really just continues to push you know the viewership and the, the intrigue of people getting into the game of golf um selfishly obviously i would love for it to be on our time zone but yeah i'm like i'm kind of like you though like i'll i'll, I'll watch it from 10 30 to about 11 30 and then i'll just wake up and see the news on instagram and you know check the, the tail end of it if it's still on right now here's the other crazy thing that just popped into my head and i think someone someone please fact check me listeners if you want to i don't really care uh but i'm pretty sure that golf is the only sport and i do think golf is a sport hot take uh that require or relies on weather and and not just weather but requires requires the uh relies on the sun uh in order to play because when you think of football there are day games there are night games when you think about basketball there are indoor obviously they're all indoor but they're you know afternoon and evening um same thing with soccer across the globe same thing with f1 like there are day races and night races and then i don't know every once in a while when i'm sitting in bed and i'm scrolling my phone and i see that there's this random dude in korea or somewhere in asia that's like playing night golf and it looks epic and especially as a new yorker where our courses are packed and it's hard to get a tee time. I would 1,000% go do a 815, 845 p.m. tee time if the course was lit. Like, would that be crazy? I mean, you know, I didn't watch when Tiger did the match. Remember the match with Tiger and those guys? Yeah, yeah we're, we're, is- we're huge on night golf, man. This is a, this is a heavy topic for us, so. <laughs> Break it down. Dude, I mean, we've got a... Uh, this is like honestly a big core of of like our makeup here. I mean, we have a, a a little muni right down the street from us that that uh we call the mats. Most of the tee boxes are just mats um up there. So uh you know, they have lights on the back nine and so we'll go out there and play nine all the time there and like honestly, I mean, don't get me wrong, I love going to like nice courses and stuff, but some of those rounds are are probably the most fun that I'll ever have on a golf course because I mean, we're going out there with kind of like a crew of people. Um, I mean, literally we've, we've had times where it's like 15 of us just walk in the same hole and, you know, under the lights, everyone's, you know, got a beer and it, it's more of like a, uh, more of a hangout and like no one gives a shit what someone else is doing in terms of their shot. So like, I mean, some people just kind of like go for the walk and, you know, others are just like fucking around. Yeah, so, yeah. I mean, honestly that, yeah, we're big on that. When you're when you're out here next time, Andrew, we'll have to go play the mats. It's just this magical place where they took the greens from this one country club, so the greens are pure. The tee Ooh. boxes are obviously mats, and you know, not many people play in the evening under the lights. So, like Justin said, there will be like twelve of us on a hole, and we'll basically have this whole area to ourselves. There's not many people out there playing with us. And uh, it's just a great kind of just social hangout and friends come and go and play with us. And it's it's a really good time. Sick. I think it's fun. I mean, I'd love to see more night golf. I was curious, um, was there even a reason when they did the last match with Tiger and Justin and those guys in Florida and it was at nighttime, did they say like why they did it that way? I want to say no. I think there was, I remember seeing marketing that was like, under the big lights or whatever, but I don't remember why they did it that way. Cause the, cause the ones previously were all in the daytime, right? Yeah. It was twofold. Yeah. I think one, it was because where it was at and the level of heat that it would have been for them to play that during the day in Vegas. Um, 
output. And then I think the other thing was probably just, uh, they're probably just A-B testing viewership and seeing if they can get more hits. If it was something where it was a little bit later. Right. Interesting. I don't know. It's fascinating stuff. Um, anyways, let's, let's circle back to Palm. Cause I had one question. Cause obviously, and you guys probably talk about this every day, all day is that there are a lot of brands in golf and there's quote, I'm going to say brands in parentheses because at least from my perspective, there's a difference between like a merch company and, and a legitimate business. And obviously, you know, there's a lot of work that goes into doing those things. Um, but from each of your perspectives, when you guys created this brand, because on one hand, like obviously golf is a massive category and there's lots of opportunity. Um, I think if the bigger players in golf were doing something very similar to what you guys are doing, like you wouldn't exist, but at least from my perspective, I feel like there's like the fact that you're getting traction proves that you're tapping into something that like. I don't want to say that was ignored, but you're speaking to a consumer or you're taking a different take on the game that like someone hasn't done before, which I find interesting. Um, so I don't know, like just what do you guys, I'm trying to like just not ramble and like just ask the question if, if this makes sense here. But um, I guess what was the biggest opportunity for you guys creating this brand? And obviously you talked about the glove, but beyond that, I think you guys have this brand vibe. It's a little beachy. It's a little modern. Um, like, did you think that someone wasn't like, you know, creating something in the golf space that kind of like represented this perspective? Cause at least for me, there's different brands and I'm not going to call it any brands, but some more graphic, some more basic, um, that are doing very different things. And I don't think there's very many that, that are tapping into that pulse that you are. Um, so I don't know. I'm just, I'm just curious to hear, um, you know, where you guys saw the opportunity. Yeah. I mean, like again, it all started with the golf glove and, and nobody was doing what we were doing on them. And we were kind of giving that kind of coastal theme. And I think that really allowed us to kind of build the brand around that. I mean, I think I always like to say, like, we always stay true to who we are and, you know, we, it's our style. It's like that coastal theme. It, it, it makes you feel good. Right. And there are, um, I will shout out, you know, John Ashworth and Link Soul, because, you know, he is such a was such a big inspiration, I know, for all three of us and, and the way he does things and the way things were done at Go Hill. So it's kind of like we've always just took our own take on on golf and kind of kept it our own way and, and started to then continue to just build on that. And, you know, from the golf globe, we moved into, you know, headwear and then we we slowly moved into apparel. And I think the beauty of like our company is that you know, we do have loud golf gloves that kind of stick out, but they're also very subtle in the same time since the print is not all over the glove. It's not super obnoxious and in, in your face. And then you look at our apparel and it, it the apparel kind of draws that inspiration of like, you know, it's a little bit more on that, like neutral colors, that basic colors. You're going to wear it every single day because we wanted to start designing apparel that we would wear off the golf course when we went hiking in Yosemite or we're at the beach having a bonfire or we're just, you know, we're hanging out at the local, you know, brewery. So we wanted to really make apparel that, you know, could cross all those different categories and be comfortable to wear. For sure. Anything to add to that, Joe, Justin? Yeah. I mean, he definitely, you know, hit a lot there. I mean, you know, one of the focuses like from us, like for us from the beginning was, um, you know, we, we knew we wanted to cater, um, we definitely saw like a void in the market of, of something that like wasn't there um, from a style perspective that we thought we could kind of like bring to market there. But like 
we knew we wanted to cater to somebody that was just getting into the sport and just coming out and that just wanted to have something fun all the way to like somebody that was, you know, a member at a country club and and they expect like, you know, performance and, and quality and stuff like that. So, so creating something that sort of like stood out to a customer, but, but just never really sacrificed on the quality was something that like from day one, you know, was important. And, you know, six years later is still at like the most importance to us too. I mean, so it's a, it's a hard thing because, you know, we're trying to scale all of these product categories out and be, you know, a well, a more like well-versed and well-rounded brand. But, you know, you want to make sure that every single product that you're, you're putting out there is as good as it can get. And, you know, it, it certainly didn't come overnight. Um, if you were to compare like what we started with to what we have today, you'd see one of, you know, some of the most insane, you know, changes and everything, but that's just because we took that serious. We, you know, listened to customer feedback and stuff like that. And like, you know, so we're, we're really proud of everything that we have out there today. We feel like really confident that we're not just making merch, that we are creating products that resonate with our values and, um, you know, that is long lasting. Um, we're not, you know, trying to make stuff that is just like, just all about hype. And then it kind of fades away. Like these are pieces that, uh, we think are essential pieces. Um, and I think that's really what our main focus is right now as a, as a company, um, staying really true to those values and, um, you know, in the way that we market ourselves all the way to the, the products that we're making every day. I think like what's really cool about our apparel pieces too is that, you know, when we were going into that space, like one of the things that Justin and I would always talk about is, you know, not overlooking the minor little details that are in there. So, you know, if you go to our website and you see the upgrade windbreaker, you might just think to yourself, oh, it's it's just a windbreaker. But when you receive the windbreaker, when you touch it or feel it, you'll feel the quality. You'll look inside the hood. And even though the hood you know, the colors matching, there's a pattern inside there, you know, from the drawstrings to the inside zippers, or if you get the crew neck that we have, you'll find a little wave emblem that's in like total tonal embroidery right on the back side of it. So I think it was always cool was like, where can we put in these little subtle details that, you know, really make the piece a little bit better and a little bit cooler? For sure. Now, because I always like asking, you know, things that I probably shouldn't ask. Can you give us any secret, top secret intel into things that might be dropping soon? I mean, people listen to this thing and maybe they'll like, you know, spiral on your website. But like, what's what's coming next for you guys thinking about like, because it's fall now, but I guess one of the good things about California is like you guys don't really have fall. So um, I don't know. What can people keep an eye out for? Like what's coming? What are you guys working on now? Yeah. So uh, we still haven't like completely gotten through the drop for even fall of 23 yet um so we will have two new gloves two new gloves that are coming out that are actually different colors that we've never done in the past that we're really excited about um so that'd be cool to like test that out and see what the reception's like from the current customers or any new customers um a couple new pieces of headwear and then we have one more like really nice apparel piece that's going to come out for the um this year as well too that we're, we're pretty excited about it's like a nice like heavyweight hoodie that these guys worked on definitely a more technical piece um again kind of like that tonal couple good like earthy colors and stuff so we're really excited about what's coming for the remainder of this year 
And then next year, I mean, the recipe, we're in a state right now where it's like the recipe is kind of rinse and repeat. Um, so it won't be like, uh, you won't be seeing a bunch of like a prize product. It's going to be an expansion on the things that we know we're doing really well right now that we know we have like a good foothold on. We know we manufacture well, things that we can tighten up. Like it's all evolutionary. Um, but the evolution now is just like fine tuning what we already do really well. And then just making sure that we're staying up to speed on good designs and giving like our current customers some cool new stuff that they can buy into and be excited about. For sure. Now, just because you guys are any more phone calls, Dustin, <laughs> my wife just texted me. She's like, I'm so sorry. Uh, my son grabbed my wife's phone and I guess clicked the button and set it up for FaceTime. And I was like, yo, I'm on a podcast. She's like, I'm so sorry. I have no idea how Zane did that. And I was like, well, that totally just, Derailed Ooh. Joe's conversation. It's good. Well, we're going to leave that in the podcast. Zane watches this in 15 years. So he'll be like, oh, yeah, that was me. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That was me. That was cool. It's funny. No, that was cool. I was going to say, um, do you guys know, because I'm also very curious, like, California has a style. Do you? But I also see, like, styles that are starting, like, you know, West Coast style and East Coast style. They're kind of starting to, like, blend and, and meld um, just me, me working in like, you know, design and marketing over the years. One of the things that we always ended up talking about for like brands that were trying to do like bigger, more modern things is that the idea of coastal lifestyles don't, you don't have to live on the coast to like embody a coastal lifestyle, which is cool. Cause sometimes there's someone in the middle of the country that like wants to embody that West coast vibe and they want to wear the flip-flops and do the thing and have the bike and whatever do you got and it could be weird do you guys find most of your customers are from cali or the east coast or from like ohio does that make sense and it makes sense yeah i i love answering this question because it was in the beginning when we were starting palm and we were telling people you know it's gonna have a palm tree on it you know people are like are people going to buy that in the middle of the country and we're like when you go on vacation, where do you go? Oh, we go to Florida. We go to California, Hawaii, Dominican Republic. And you're like, oh, and the first thing you see when you get off the plane is what? Palm trees. How's that make you feel? Happy. So it's kind of interesting when you look at, you know, where our sales data is. It's literally, and Joe could tell more of that, but it's literally all over the country, whether it be people in Chicago or Montana, all the way to the coastal regions. That's cool. It's fascinating. Yeah. I always love when you actually like break down that data and you look at and you look at it and you realize that like those those stereotypical ways that people think about brands are not true. And like who is who is into what? And it's actually the complete opposite of it. It's, it's fascinating. It's cool. Like when you look at it, like you look at all that data and you kind of go through it all and you realize that the Northeast really loves palm stuff. I think that really makes us very happy because it's like we're from the you know we're from the east coast so when you're seeing a lot of orders are going to pennsylvania new york new jersey you're like man this is awesome right it's because we're depressed that's why because <laughs> that winter is brutal and we're like you know we have a uh, vitamin d deficiencies that's why we need a little a little color in our life just to warm it up I'm also very jealous of the fact that you guys, when you talk about warm weather or cold weather items, you you are wearing a hoodie. That's it. I'm like, a hoodie is like today. It's like six, like, you know, I don't know, 68. You're not in a big park walking right. around a city. 
It's not good. I'll tell you, look, I've done some crazy things to play golf over here. I remember a buddy of mine lives in Queens at a course and he was, it was just like February and it's like, you know, 20 something outside, 30 when the sun's shining. And he's like, yo, come out. And as a New Yorker, you do it because you're just so desperate to hit some balls. And I would put on like quilted pants and a quilted shirt and just go hit shots. And you can barely swing on it, but you're just happy to be outside. So, you know, we torture ourselves. I got to, I got to come out with some more. Man. Yeah. How's, how's that feel when you like, you rip a long iron and just feel that like, electricity from the coldness like sitting in your hands it's not great yeah so it's funny you say that because my wife uh her whole life she's been going to vermont in the winter time for new year's and she has all these family friends and they're all they're kind of like their little cabins are you know on these big farms you know it's all this farmland stuff and people come through and cut it down so in the winter time it's all really really just cut down and small so my friend jay and i it would be so freezing out we're like what do you want to do i'm like let's just go play golf. And we literally came up with 16 holes between the two little houses that we developed. And we call it the, uh, you know, the West Hill open every year. And right before on New Year's Eve, there's about eight or nine of us to play golf. And it's a little 16 holes, little challenge that we have, but we're all in some heavy winter jackets playing. (laughs) Look, you gotta, you gotta do it. It's awesome. Do you have that trademark? Oh, uh, you should see our um I'm sure Jay's gonna listen to this. So I he has the trophy. Well, technically I have the trophy. I won last year. So uh, I'm sitting in my in the in the house that I stay at. So I'm pretty excited. It's a little it's a little person holding a boot, just a random trophy that we have, and it's awesome. West Hill love it. The more the more random the better. I love also love random stuff. I found I actually will pull up a picture of it and show you guys. I bought this. I was in California, I was in San Diego a couple weeks ago. And I saw this dude have this, here, I'm going to hold it up on Zoom, but it was this hat. It's not, it's not real. It's, it's like some guy on Etsy, like made him. And, but there's an interesting story behind it where it's like, it's the Los Angeles Open, Rancho Park, 1983. I'm old as fuck. I was born in 1983. So I, that like connected with me, number one. And then number two, uh, the story, that was the last year that the Los Angeles Open was at Rancho. And I didn't even know Rancho was like that, like hosted a legitimate event. I've actually never played Rancho, which is funny. I've been to the range multiple times because I go out to LA for work and I just go hit balls there, which is fun. But I just thought there were some really fun layers and I thought whoever designed it did a really good job. So the dude was like, yeah, I just got it off of Etsy. And then I just like looked on Etsy and found it. And I was like, this is sick. Um, so yeah, I, I love like weird random things, even if it's like the one-off, like non-official official merch that stuff to me is like fun i want to see more more stuff like that in golf maybe you guys should you guys should make a a hat for your tournament we have a hat made for it i made it every year (laughs) Um, all right so this is how it works uh obviously there's not a real hole right so we took a bamboo stick so we have a bamboo stick that we shove into the ground and then we do like a four foot in diameter circle so you have to hit the ball gotta land within that circle and that's how you know it's in the hole but what we did is we tied because it's a bamboo stick and you can barely see it. We tied like orange tape to it. So like a kind of fly, it's just literally a piece of tape. So yeah, one year we made uh one year we made a hat for it and I gave them out to everybody and they loved it. So no, it's cool. Like I like that stuff. Like back in the day it used to be the OP open here. So it was like kind of those vintage names and that kind of brand merch is pretty cool. Nice. Yeah, that's it. Thanks for coming on the podcast. Yeah, man, I appreciate you having us. 
Thanks for listening to this episode of the Fair Game Podcast. If you haven't already, you can hit subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or whatever service you may be using. We've also launched the Fair Game app, golf's first digital clubhouse, the place to play your game and connect with golfers across the country. You can find it in the App Store or on Google Play. You can also find us on Instagram at Fair Game Golf and check out some of our original videos on our YouTube page. You can find all these links in the podcast episode details. We'll see you next time.